Welcome to this week's Made in Scotland podcast, sponsored by Ogilvy Ross. I'm Gary Robinson. This week's guest was a Scottish gymnastics champion, aged 9, 10 and 11, which wasn't all that long ago, I have to say. Uh, also in her time, has attended the Royal Academy of Music when she was a youngster. Uh, she's worked in banking at some point as well. Uh, heavily, heavily involved in Scottish cricket, in particular uh, in her um, town of Kinross, here in Scotland, and we'll talk about more about uh, more about that in a wee while. Met hubby John when she was fifteen, married when when you were twenty, I believe. Uh, and you have two wonderful boys, James and Peter. So what comes out of this, Kirstine Ross, is that you love your sport, you love your music, but ultimately you love your family as well. Welcome to Made in Scotland. Hello, Gary. Thank you. Um, let's let's have a, a blether about your early days because obviously you were very busy when you were a youngster, uh, Scottish gymnastics champion. Uh, when you were 9, 10 and 11. Uh, attended the Royal Academy of Music, I think, if I remember rightly, when you were you, when you were 13. Um, tell me a bit about you growing up and your background and 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 your, your family and, and what led you to do some of these wonderful things. Well, I'm the fourth of five children, so I grew up in a very busy and noisy household and I had parents who were really supportive, who encouraged me to try things who spent years and years ferrying me to music things, to sporting things. And I also had um, siblings who were all very good at things, so I you know, developed a sense of trying to keep up with them and developed my own competitiveness and my desire to make myself better because obviously they were bigger and older. And it was thoroughly enjoyable, really happy childhood. Um, I loved going to my local school and I just loved all the learning and all the experiences. It was just a fantastic childhood. So you're with your husband, John, and you've got the family in Kinross. Was Kinross your, your hometown? Where, where were you born, or where were you brought up, rather? So I was born at home in Carnock in Fife, and very shortly after that we moved to a small village called Crossford, also in Fife, and it was just a really nice community. Um, I can't say anything wrong about it. It truly were really sort of magical years for me where I was given lots of time to run around and to make friends and to play in the park and riding on my bike day after day, morning till night, something that I still enjoy today. And you describe yourself in your in your biography uh, as very competitive. How did that come about? Did that come around at an early... Well, you must have been, actually, to be Scottish gymnastics champion age nine. Uh, was that something that, that was... Was competition installed into you by your parents or, or is it something that's always been an internal driver for you? Oh, that's a good question. My parents were always very pleased when I did well and uh, I like the feelings of doing well, so I suppose that was some of the drivers that made me to work really hard to be able to achieve things. So I don't know if it's something that's really intrinsic in me, but certainly I think having these older siblings who were all very good at lots of things themselves, who were, you know, my sisters were extremely good piano players themselves and my brother was really great on the accordion. And so, you know, I wanted to work hard to be as good as they were. So I had you role could, models above me. You could have started a Scottish supergroup with all that talent in the well, family. Well, it was very enjoyable at Christmas time when everyone played their instruments and everyone did a bit of singing and, you know, we had grannies and aunties coming round in our household. It was just a place that was full of joy and I was really fortunate to enjoy a childhood like that. And is that a blueprint for how you brought your family up? Very much so. And um, family's a really big part of of. Everything around our lives, we're there to support each other. We're there to help when things are difficult and each and every one of us is there to be supportive. You know, we're trying to be a real unit. We try to back each other up. We try to give each other encouragement 
And so, yes, I suppose my own enjoyable childhood moulded some of the decisions I made as a parent to help my own children to succeed. So we talked about your your, your early days, and then you know, we'll come back to the, the the Royal Academy of Music, working in banking. Let's bring ourselves up to current days. Tell the listener what you're what you're currently doing as a as an occupation. So my current job is to deliver a Sports Scotland Commonwealth Games 2014 legacy project, which is called Community Sport Hubs. That's all about bringing sports clubs, organisations and people together, working in collaboration to achieve shared visions for making more people more active more often across all the stages of life by listening to what the needs of the communities are and to help all the sports clubs involved in the project become stronger. Sounds like a tough gig. It's a great job, actually. It, It is tough because obviously... You know, listening to the community is a difficult thing in itself. How do you engage with people of all ages and all stages? How do you get the views of people who are maybe not doing sport, people who maybe think that sport isn't something that would be of benefit to them? So that's the sort of tough part is all that engagement. The clubs that come round the table, they're obviously really motivated. They're there for a reason. They want to get better. They want to deliver a better service. So you're working with people who are already in it for all the right reasons. Um, But that community engagement and understanding how we can overcome barriers to participation is indeed a really good challenge, but I thoroughly enjoy it. You've sort of answered my next question, really, but let's dig a little bit deeper. What what inspires you to do what you do? Well, I've been fortunate to experience really positively the benefits of sport and the benefits to people for their physical health, for their weight management, for their mental health, health and well-being. You know, these are all things that I have experienced myself and I've been able to see in other people. I've been able to see that sport brings lots of learning experience and transferable life skills to people. And it's something that I just really enjoy being involved in when I see people who maybe have disabilities, for example, overcoming challenges and achieving things they perhaps thought they could never do. I just find it really wonderful and inspiring. I enjoy the people that I work with. I enjoy all the diversity of my job. It's just thoroughly enjoyable. Do you think Scotland shouts enough about its sporting prowess? And actually, on the flip side of that, do we have a sporting prowess? We certainly do have a sporting prowess. And I feel that there's quite a lot of profile already given to those athletes that are performing at the top of their game. And that's fantastic for them and great credit to them. But what I'm interested in is people who are like you and I, ordinary people, perhaps people who are never going to make it to the Olympics, but where sport and physical activity can genuinely make a difference for them. So I'm thinking that um, somebody who's maybe in their 60s or 70s, somebody who's maybe a little bit overweight, for example, somebody who maybe has some health issues or some disabilities, they may look at these Olympic athletes, they may be inspired by watching them on the television, but is that what's going to get them involved in sport locally? Probably not. They probably see what's on the television as being unattainable for them. So we need to make sure that we have role models across all parts of our society where they can see somebody who changed their lives, who had a benefit from taking part, who made new friends. There's all sorts of things that sport brings to people. So yes, these these elite athletes are very inspiring, great to get children involved in sport, but we're wanting to get everyone to be more active because 
as we know, that people become less active in sport and physical activity throughout their entire life, with peak times of participation being between the ages of 8 and 10, with boys participating more even at those early stages. We know that girls drop out of sport. We know that people in disadvantaged communities um, do less sport than people who um, have fewer deprivations. So there's all sorts of things that we need to work on to try to get people more active. It's almost... I hate to say, it, but it's is it almost you know success in sport? Is it is it is it a middle class thing? Well, I'm not exactly sure about the class system, but I suppose from looking back to the 2012 Olympics, you may, and I can't quote you the exact statistics, but I can tell you that a, a big percentage of people who were highly achieving at the 2012 Olympics did attend private schools. So perhaps that gives you some indication into potentially a class system. So it's a it's a so as well as as well as getting out there and encouraging people to do sports, I suppose you're you're trying to change the culture about the way that we think, perhaps the way that we bring our children up, the way that we you know participate in sports, in order to get people from from maybe what you may class as deprived areas up to you know to get them to Olympic standard. You know if they've got that germ of um, of um, of talent. It's about nurturing, but getting the parents on board and getting the community on board. It's not just about, you know, I'm, I'm sort of delving down here, but it's not just about trying to find that that inner sports person in a young child. It's, it's much wider. It definitely is related to culture. And that's a very difficult thing to, to change. And it also takes a long time to change. So we know within sport that if we have, for example, with girls, if we have mothers who are engaged and participating in sport, that the daughter is more likely to be involved. So we need to make sure that parents do place value on sport and that they appreciate the skills that it can bring to their children, which will benefit them in later life. And I'm talking about things like how to deal with difficult people, getting along with people, um, dealing with setbacks, or dealing with winning, dealing with losing, gaining... Um, friendships, developing confidence and esteem, working with people who are in authority, such as referees and umpires. These are all things that, although happen in sport, as you progress through your life, they're all transferable skills that we're all going to use every day. So if parents could see the value of their children being involved in that good club sporting environment and um, encourage them to, through good and effective praise, if you like, to continue with what they're doing at their sports club, hopefully they'll see some great benefits coming out of the other end that will have a, a society full of resilient, strong children who've developed into strong adults. I want to come back to you as an individual. Um, when we the, These podcasts t- tend to follow a certain format um, because we get a varied, uh, as you can imagine, a varied uh, selection of answers. Um, and this is a very honest and, you know, I do say sometimes a bit of a raw podcast, but would you be willing to share with us an experience that took you to a dark place and, and how did you battle it and survive it? I think the darkest place I've ever been to followed on from the death of my baby niece. And that was shortly followed thereafter by the death of my mum. And both of these um, things, at these times, I felt that there was blame from the health professionals involved 
that was a really, really difficult thing for me to have to deal with, especially in such a short period of time. So that's definitely the darkest place I've ever been to, was having to face up to the loss of these two very important people. How did I deal with it? Well, initially I did turn to exercise. I think everyone knows that exercise does benefit your, your mental health and your well-being and it also releases endorphins, which gives you these sort of nice feelings after you've done some exercise. But what I will say is that I realised after a period of time, maybe six or 12 months, that I was beginning to use exercise really negatively. And what had become a positive thing had become what felt like an addiction. And it was, it was just becoming something that really became a negative part of my life. My weight dropped dramatically, more or less, to my weight of being a young teenager and I realised that things had to change. So that's just an example of how something that becomes maybe an extreme version maybe didn't perhaps give me the right result in the end. But I did meet some very interesting people in my life and they recommended me to take up yoga and to go to mindfulness classes, which I did do. And it transformed me. It gave me a different view. It gave me the opportunity to live in that present moment, to deal with things as they arose, to stop using exercise as a bit of a weapon and to put my life back into context. And it was, I suppose, when I, I do a lot of exercise and I maybe do things that are quite physical and maybe quite aerobic and quite challenging. Um, for me, I always thought yoga was a little bit sort of wishy-washy and, you know, for people who maybe weren't able to do more strenuous exercise. But I can tell you that yoga is really really tough it's physically tough it's it's a great opportunity to get sort of mind and body sorted out and just to get your sort of energy flowing really positively so surprisingly i mean i suppose i felt fairly scathing about things like yoga and mindfulness before but you know i, I applied myself to it and i found really positive results and i feel i've got myself back to normal and being able to deal with things really effectively so good and bad together, but I've, I've got through it all now. And um, you become very animated, which I'm delighted to see when we talk about cricket, which is obviously, apart from your husband and your sons, maybe your fourth love, third love, not too sure, I'm trying to do my sums here, um, you're very heavily involved with Kinross Cricket yeah, Club. Yeah, Kinross Shire Cricket Club. Extremely successful. Uh, it's a bit of a family affair. Tell, how did you get involved? Is it something you've always been involved in or were you um, co-opted onto no, the committee? No, I, I wasn't at all <laughs> involved in cricket before. I'd never played cricket before um, I was given the opportunity to get involved in the club. But my sons, they played cricket at school. They absolutely loved it. They excelled at it. They worked really hard and put in lots of effort and they were really keen to progress. And so John, my husband, he felt it'd be a great opportunity for them to not only play school cricket, but to get into playing in a club environment. So he went along to our local cricket club, to their AGM, which was advertised, come and join our club. Unfortunately, the first item on the agenda was, shall we close the club because we don't have enough money and we don't have enough players? However, with, with John and my two sons, James and Peter, that was able to take the team up to the 11 that they needed to play. And uh, that was the beginning of their in involvement in club cricket. The, the club at that time had no junior section. So John and a couple of the other players decided to go and do a coaching course. And they launched a junior section in 2005, by which time they needed someone to come and do the register and sort out some of the admin and 
um, just do the sort of running of the club relating to the junior section. And so I, I did get roped into a little bit to come along and get involved. And the club grew and grew. Eventually they needed some coaches, so I got myself onto a coaching course and it's just developed from there. I realised I loved it. I loved the social part of it and I loved the challenge of developing something from nothing into something which is now, you know, admired and successful and moving forward and constantly trying to get better. You're the chair? I'm the chair this year, yes, I am. I'm the chair. I've also been the secretary. I'm the coach of, I run junior coaching. I do ladies coaching. I'm an umpire and I do scoring and I make a lot of tea as well. (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. I love that story. Um, Scotland and cricket, are they synonymous? Yes, Scottish cricket is really very successful. It's one of our fastest growing sports, uh, summer sports. Um, People might not think about cricket as being one of our main sports, but it is. And I can give you some other interesting information. For example, many um, football clubs across Scotland were started by cricket clubs. So, for example, Dunfermline and um, Saints in Perth. They were both clubs that were started by cricket clubs, which existed long before the football clubs ever did. And it was to give the players something to do in the winter. So, yes, cricket is and has been very popular in Scotland for a very long time. Is it is it supported and funded well in the country, in Scotland? I'm not sure the levels that the national governing body is, is funded to. Um, certainly our club has been extremely well supported by Sports Scotland and by local businesses who've been kind enough to, to donate sponsorship and so on to the club. Um, so yes, I do think if you have a good club, if you have good, strong management in place, if you are an open and inclusive club and you will allow people of all abilities or disabilities to come along, if you want to develop good facilities, if you want to get people to become better at their sport, if you can provide all those things and demonstrate that you're a club worth investing in, then there's certainly money available for you. The You mentioned that you're an umpire. Forgive me. I mean, I, I, the, 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 the most famous umpire that I know is, is Dickie Bird. Um, do, do, do females play a large part in... In, in cricket, in terms of in terms of umpiring, so here's a really luddite type of question, but I need to know. So, would you would you umpire um, all male matches? I personally don't, but there are some women in Scotland who are umpiring at that level. Right. So certainly, the female game is growing dramatically, both in terms of coaching, officiating, and playing. Um, and some women have decided to pursue the opportunities that are there for them now to be able to umpire in league matches. It's not something I want to do, but it's something that I'm happy to do to help to get junior matches running. Um, so it's not my main focus of my club, but I'm able to do it. And, and a large part of this particular series of Made in Scotland is based around leadership. And we're asking our guests about their take on leadership and what they think makes, uh, makes, a, makes a good leader. Um, I mean, what, what, what do you think makes a good leader, leader's attributes? What, you know, what, 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 what do you look for? Or if you, indeed, if you're put in the position of leader, what do you demonstrate? Well, within my environment at work and within my, my club environment, leadership is something that is really important. It's all about guiding and directing people. It's all about getting people to work towards shared common aims. 
It's all about inspiring people. It's about recognising the people that are working alongside you. It's not all about me. It's all about getting people to um, play a part in the achievements. It's about um, influencing people, perhaps through having a, a good reputation or a good track record. It's about being perceived by others that the vision that you have is something that they want to get involved and get along with. So you do need to have a certain amount of charisma. You do need to have a certain amount of influence. Um, you do need to have good communications that could be verbal and non-verbal type communications. It is about being inspirational and painting a vision. And it's all about recognising and rewarding those that come along with you. Great answer. <laughs> I, I do, do my best. <laughs> I do like that. I do like that. Um, we also ask a technology question because, you know, we, we were born in the same year, you and I. Yes, we were. We were born in the same year. And we know that technology has changed, you know, dramatically over the past 30 years. We, you know, we know that. Does, that. does that worry you or does that excite you for the future? Well, I'm always excited by new things that come along and I always want to try and learn. I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm great at everything, but I do recognise that different types of technology afford us different opportunities to interact with people at different ages and stages of life. Um, so I think any new ways we have of communicating with people are always really exciting and I would encourage everyone to have a go, get on board and um, just expand their own horizons, really. So I'm not afraid of it. I'm not always great at it, but I'm certainly going to have a go and try my best to learn. Do, you, do your boys teach you about technology or is it something that you, you adopt and learn yourself? A bit of both. And, you know, my sons are always really helpful there. If I'm not sure how to do something or set up something on a page, they're always there if I need to ask them. But, you know, I do like to spend a bit of time researching myself because I feel that one of the ways that I'm able to learn is by experiential learning, having a goal, seeing what I got right, seeing what I got wrong. Um, so different people learn in different ways. Um, and a book. Uh, we, we sort of talked about this before we went live. Uh, and it's a, it's a it is a tough question. You know, it's the, same, it's, it's the same as the music question is always pretty tough as well for guests. But you know, is there a book that you've read that that you could suggest to somebody that and it's, it's a powerful question that could change their their life oh i'm not sure i could guarantee it would change their lives um or have some sort of impact so i'm not sure about a book i suppose one of the books that i have enjoyed and i found really insightful has been a book by carol dweck called mindset um so perhaps that might be a good book for people to start it looks at um talent and brains, if you like, not necessarily being enough to um, enable you to become successful in life. And it's all about the way that we give praise and we give criticism and the way that we, we learn. So that's a very interesting book. Carol Dweck is a leading psychologist and a very um, good author. But I suppose um, one of the other things that I really like is poetry. So I might recommend people to go and read the poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. And oh, I find yeah. lots of things written in that poem really inspiring and I think if we were to live by some of the things written in it we would have a good better society. And, and what's what's next because um, you know we've talked about you know you you as a youngster we've talked about where you're at you've brought the boys up um, you're firmly ensconced in Scottish cricket you're developing communities in sport 
So what's what's next? Because we're, we're we were, as I've said, we were both born in the same year. We're both young people. So what's you know what's what's the next thing? Five years down the line, do you think? Well, the career I'm doing now was a complete change of career. So from 1995 to 2010, I was self-employed, and then in 2010, I decided to do something completely different and moved into sport development. I did my degree, which was um, a sport-specific degree, and that was something that enabled me to be able to progress through management within sport. So what I'm doing now is something that's fairly new for me, turning what was really just a hobby within my club, developing my club into, into a profession. So now I want to gain some experience. I want to work with people who are able to teach me things. I want to eventually be able to have some influence on some of the policy and some of the strategies for how we develop sport and physical activity in Scotland in time to come. So not, not, not just cricket, all sports? All sports, absolutely, all sport. Um, not not necessarily cricket at all. Um, the Lots of the principles that are um, within cricket are the same principles that are in, in other sports. It's all about developing, pe developing people, developing coaches, developing facilities, making sure there's a pathway to excellence, making sure that clubs are well run. Um, making sure that our volunteers are properly recruited, that we retain them through recognition and reward. So all of these principles exist across all sports. So I make no no shame, or I've got no shame in saying that um, I'm ambitious. I do want to be in a position where I can influence some change. I see lots of opportunities where we can make sport better, where we can change a culture, where we can afford opportunities to people who are not getting them at the moment. And that's what I'm looking to be able to do. So I suppose if the Scottish Government are listening, they can hire me now. Give you a shout. <laughs> Your number is available. Um, and, you know, the, the podcast is called Made in Scotland. And I ask this question of all the guests. What do you love about this country and its people? What do I love about Scotland? I love the patriotic feelings that I have when people, you know, say they're, they're Scottish and I'm Scottish. I love our beautiful countryside and our nature. I love the dramatic skies. I love the changing weather. Um, I love all the greenness. I love the snow in the winter. Um, well, you live in a beautiful part of the country. I do, and I make sure I get out there and I make sure that I'm not just getting through my life and, again, bringing it back to the mindfulness I spoke about earlier. I try to live in the moment, to, to really look carefully at what's around me and to see things. And... There's nothing I don't like about this place, so it's just a pleasure. Come on to you, um, your song in just a moment. I love speaking to our guests because I always take something away um, from from everybody who's contributed to the series so far. And I love the fact that, and what will stick with me for this, and hopefully for people who are listening, is that you know even in those darker moments or when things are getting on top of you or if you've just had a bad day, get out there, go for a walk, clear your head, chill, you know, and be, be inspired by your surroundings. I think that's what you've been saying to me today. Yes, it, it is all about these things. I think talking about going for a walk and sometimes people will go for a walk and they'll spend that time trying to plan the next thing of what they're doing, making lists and thinking of all the things that are ahead of them in that day. But what I would encourage people to do is just to get out for a walk and just to experience the walking part of it not to worry about what's going to happen in an hour or what might happen or what might never happen, just to get out there and to see, you know, beautiful skies, things around you and just to enjoy the lives that we all have been given. 
Um, all our guests have chosen a particular song that means a great deal to them. Before you announce the, the title and the artist of your, your choice, uh, first of all, uh, Kirsten Ross, can I thank you so much for being so honest and so passionate in the podcast about the information, about what you've given us. Absolutely love it. Thank you very much for that. Um, so let's finish with your song. And as I said, before we announce what it is and who it's by, tell me a little bit about your choice and why. Well, as you said earlier, family is really important to me. And I'm immensely proud of both of my sons, James and Peter. They've grown up into thoughtful, caring, talented young men. I'm so immensely proud of everything they've done. And my eldest son, James, he's extraordinarily gifted as a musician, a better musician than I am. He's very creative and he writes his own music and he plays several instruments and he also records his own music. And um, when I listen to, to his music, I just feel the... It reminds me of all the strength that my family give to me, all the support that I'm afforded. And when I listen to this song, I literally just feel just bursting with joy. And I think that's a wonderful thing that music can give to you. So the song that I'd like to play today is from James's album, which is called Everything is Golden. And it's called I Will Sail Away.
The Made in Scotland podcast, sponsored by Ogilvy Ross, was produced by Chris Kidd for Gardine Studios and GRC.